Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, looking back at the first day of the third test match of the decider in what is now known as the Wisdom Trophy, although of course in the future, as you may have heard, it's going to be called the Richards Botham Trophy and we could have some nice uh, uh, banter about what that trophy might look like actually. Um, it's certainly going to have some flair attached to it with uh, an image of Viv I suppose and an image of, of Beefy in some fashion, great friends of course and great rivals, so that's a fitting a title for the new trophy when they, these teams play again. Anyway, honours, I suppose, to England after the first day, 258 for four, after a bit of a stumble at the start. Simon Mann is here, and also we're delighted to have Faz Mohammed as well from the, from Trinidad joining us again today. So evening to you, Faz. Well, actually, it's afternoon to Faz and evening to, to Simon. Um, both of you, I think, have views about... West Indies, firstly, team selection, Faz, and also what they did at the toss. Yeah, it's, uh, th- there's been quite a bit of discussion about it uh, throughout the Caribbean. She hope everyone remembers uh, those famous twin hundreds at Headingley from three years ago. But he's done hardly anything since. The fact that he still averages 26 in Test cricket really is an indictment uh, as to someone with so much ability really not being able to kick on from that fantastic performance. And even at, at Lords, when he got that half century against Jimmy Anderson and company, he really looked the part. But he's barely gotten a run since then, yet his captain insists that he will keep faith in Shea Hope. And my issue with that is I understand that. I understand that point in the same way people are talking about Joss Butler, who came good today uh, for England, despite all of the criticism uh, of his place in the team. Uh, Maybe Shea Hope might do it this time around. But that still doesn't justify holding on to someone when you've got other players who probably deserve an opportunity. Because if you're establishing a precedent for a player who's averaging 26 in 36-odd test matches... I mean, I mean, at what point do you say that someone else deserves to have a chance in getting into the final 11 to get an opportunity? 
Is it actually? Could he keep wicket? Because he he keeps wicket in the uh, in the the one day game, doesn't he? And Shay, um, Shane Dowrich has had an absolute shocker this test, and also uh, he he got a pair in the last game as well. I mean, could it have been an option to sort of release the pressure on Shayo by dropping him down the order and giving him the gloves? I know that might have been a consideration, but I think they, they, they're comfortable with him doing the job in the one day. As I think the feeling is that it will be too rigorous uh, to, to be uh, a number three batsman and also to be to be keeping wicket. Uh, the idea of pushing him down the order, I don't think that that factors into the consideration at the moment. I did think they, they, they're pretty much satisfied that Shea Hope should be the premier batsman except that you've got a Premier batsman who's not scoring any runs. OK, well, and the other interesting issue about the selection was, both teams, was that the, the West Indies went with two spinners and England went with four seamers. And it reminds me, Simon, actually, of a, of a test match. I don't know if you were there, but I was. 93, England against India in Calcutta, where England went with four seamers, uh, managed by Graham Gooch, captain, and Keith Fletcher, uh, the coach, who both thought they were back at Chelmsford and picked these four seamers, one of whom was a, a new kind of niggly, uh, gnarly sort of medium pacer, and the Indians went with three and a half spinners, and there was only one winner on a total desert in Calcutta. So it was an interesting uh, decision there for the West Indies to go with the two spinners and then put England in. What did you think about that, given the fact that it looked pretty overcast in, in Manchester? I didn't think a great deal of that decision, to be honest. I think you know, no captain before Jason Holder put England in in the last Test match has put a side in a Test match at Old Trafford in 1993. And there's a reason for that, is that you know, it becomes harder to bat at the back end of the game and the ball spins. And I just think that West Indies should have batted today. The forecast wasn't too bad. OK, it was overcast-ish at the toss, but the forecast was for the sun to come out, and it did for large parts of the day. So, you know, reasonably, reasonably benign batting conditions. And England Ray will sort of tough it out early on, as you have to sometimes in Test cricket. I, I just wonder whether West Indies could have been a bit braver today and batted first. I mean, said that, I think this is a very strong England attack that they picked for this game. You know, it, it could have caused a lot of problems with the new ball, but I just wonder. You know, be be brave. You know, it was. Just, it, I just didn't think it was the, quite the right decision. And it, to me, it felt, and I felt it uh, during the first game as well. It just felt like a good toss for for England to lose, and it and it felt exactly the same today. They they lost a couple of early wickets, and uh, one was uh, just a, a good bit of bowling by Kemar Roach, and then a run out to, of Joe Root. And Faz, uh, I suppose the one thing, you know, Simon's sort of alluding there to West Indies kind of selection issues, what they have done, in a way, slightly to their detriment, is they've invested a lot of faith in three fast bowlers who look almost dead on their feet now, having played three tests in a row, whereas England have really rotated their fast bowlers quite effectively. And, and you know, that, that raises the bigger issue as to whether test cricket is really test cricket anymore because the, the, this rotation policy, and, and kudos to England for having the resources to be able to do that. Can we now say, again, whenever we have these back-to-back-to-back test series, that you're putting your best 11 on the field anymore? Or are you just trying to manage your resources? So is it actually diminishing what the stature of test cricket should be. But 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 your point is a valid one, that we were always wary about someone like a Shannon Gabriel who's worked extremely hard on his fitness, but it takes a toll on his body. Just watching him bowl one over, you get tired. 
uh, b- because of mm. the strain yes, that he do. puts yeah. You, yeah. You, that he puts on his yeah. body. So you can, you can imagine him mm. soldering on because he's always charging and he's always giving of his best. Early on, he had to leave the field, and we were shaking our heads, saying, "Well, look, this is this is going to be terrible." Now, thankfully, he was back on firing on all, as best as he could. But you could tell he looks jaded. Uh, Kimar Roach will keep trying, but it 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 is simply almost superhuman to expect people involved in the art of fast bowling to be able to do it for three consecutive test matches without any real break in between. I suppose uh, that's a good point you make about test cricket, but actually I'm just going to counter your your suggestion slightly there or your argument because the reason why it was called test cricket originally, and of course it originated in Australia, between England and Australia in 1877, and the reason why it was called test cricket was it was actually a test of your national strength as a team. It's not necessarily a test of those 11, but whatever you can put out, you know, in that particular scenario. So I suppose, actually, it's a test of your, uh, of your, of your depth as much as it is of, your, of the individual 11 players that you put out each time. Can you, uh, in the course of a three or five test series, manage to sustain that potency of bowling attacks, for instance. So, you know, I, I sort of take your point about is it a real, uh, is it jeopardising the, 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 the integrity of test cricket? But in a way, it's sort of examining the, the strength of test cricket. And by the way, I, I have to get, hand it to, to Kemar Roach, who, uh, excellent bit of bowling to, to get Ben Stokes out today, uh, bounces which we haven't seen much of from the West Indies fast bowlers, and a couple of real cracking bouncers from Kemar Roach, driving him back onto his stumps, and then a beautiful delivery sort of swinging in to Stokes after a few going the other way, Simon. That was, in, in a way, that was the outstanding ball of the day, getting Stokes through the gate, and Stokes looked totally bemused. Yeah, it was a lovely over from Kemar Roach, you know, who's not the quickest either, but he actually, you know, he, he sconed uh, Ben Stokes and then pitched one up whether Stokes was quite in the right position, whether he was just anticipating the possibility of another bouncer. It was a lovely piece of bowling through the gate. It was, it was one of the sort of moments of the day. They're actually, for West Indies today, there are actually two, sort of, two or three really outstanding moments. I mean, the brilliant catch from uh, Cornwall at slip. Wonderful catch, reaction catch. You say, oh, well, you know, they, they just stick or they don't. But, you know, my understanding is that, you know, he is a, a very good slip fielder and we shouldn't be that surprised that he took the catch in the way that he did. If you get a chance to see it, if you haven't seen it, it's well worth seeing. Just got his hand up and in the right place. He had just a fraction of a second to take it. And then a fantastic run out from Chase to get rid of Joe Root. So there were, there were two or three really, you know, fine bits of cricket from West Indies today. I, I mean, the problem was, I mean, Fazir's alluded to it, I mean, the, the attack toward, in the second half of the day really flagged and England were, you know, accelerating the scoring rate. It didn't feel much pressure. The spinners weren't exerting any control. And it, 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 to me, it felt as if the series got away from West Indies today. I, I think, you know, England are in a, in a really strong position in this game now. 258 for four. It's not a, you know, totally dominant position on the score, but it just, it just felt like that. The one issue, of course, or one very big issue uh, coming up is the weather. The weather forecast for Manchester for the next few days is, is not that good. So, you know, it might be another one of those, uh, you know, races against time, uh, well, for both sides, but you'd think at the moment for England, they, they look to be in a position to get a, a decent first inning score as they did in the last game and try to put pressure on the West Indies batting. But will, will they have the time to take 20 wickets in this test match? Great uh, effort by the England fifth wicket pair to, to reconstruct the situation. And 
all the batsmen moved up a spot, Root to three, uh, Stokes to four, Pope to five, and, and Pope just didn't look uh, out of his depth at all at, at number five. Very busy at the crease, really injected some purpose into the innings straight away, looking for quick singles, getting down the wicket to the spinners, even just to, to knock them for singles. Some real poise and class about about his batting. Very little luck it, it needed for him to, to get to his... He had one top edge, didn't he, which nearly got to a catch at, at deep wicket as... Uh, Roston uh, Chase was running back but apart from that he, it was almost a faultless innings and his creamy cre- sort of square drives and straight drives and that lovely on drive which he makes it look so easy the nonchalance with which he hit uh, the ball through the leg side off the seam bowlers was was wonderful to behold. And then the other end, uh, Josh Butler, who sort of grounded out for a bit and then started to to find a bit of fluency. So uh, Faz, uh, I bet you you must have been impressed with Ollie Pope. He he looks the genuine article, and and I think when when you see a lot of these England players coming out of the county circuit because. From a West Indies point of view, we, we always have this longing about county cricket because we, we remember the glory days when you had have three or four West Indians in every, almost every county team and, and uh, certainly for a lot of our, our West Indies players of the 70s and 80s and almost towards the 90s, uh, they were able to develop their skills and fine-tune their talent. So when you see players coming out of the English system, whatever we might, we might think about their stick-to-itiveness and long-term ability to cope with real world-class bowling and different conditions they look well prepared well well drilled uh, with the basic skills the fundamentals are there and certainly that's that's the case with Ollie Pope we saw Dom Sibley with his hard fought hundred in in the previous test match and, and, and you get that sense that you know you that nuggety type of player and and when you see a stylist someone who's got all the shots who's got the temperament as well you really want that player to work to do well hopefully he won't do extremely well because we go deeper <laughs> into this match from a West Indies point of view although I did say that I think England will win the series 2-1 and I'm on course for that right now you you are unless unless it's the weather unless the weather intervenes it might might spoil everything but uh, which of course the West Indies won't be disappointed with because they'll keep the wisdom trophy for keeps if if, if that is the case but uh, at at the end of it all uh, I think uh, Oli Pope has a lot of runs under his belt 91 not out and uh Deprived getting his hundred by your favourite uh, situation, Simon. The, the bad light coming off the field five overs early. But he said a couple of interesting things. You can have your say about bad light in a minute. But um, Ollie Pope said a couple of things interestingly after the game. He said one thing was his busyness at the crease, looking for quick singles early on. He got from Kumar Sangakara, who he played with, of course, at Surrey. So uh, referring back, uh, Faz, to your reference to overseas players and West Indies being in, in the uh, set-up in the 1980s and 90s and all the influences they had on young English players, well, now it's more the Sangakaras and Jai Wardeners and people like that who've been in county cricket more recently. And Sangakara is such a busy player. He likes to get off the strike early on. I remember talking to him once and saying to him... Uh, you miss hit one to mid on early in your innings and you set off for a single uh, when a lot of batsmen would have just sort of been rehearsing the the shot that they should have played and he said no oh, no he said it's a it's a result if i get a thick edge and it goes to to wide mid on and i get a single i think great that's a single from a miss hit and i'm off strike and i think um certainly ollie pope has got that message so he he really put that into practice and the other thing he said uh, in the post match interview was that the difficulty about being in this bubble is that 
when you have a bad day, you have you, there's nowhere to escape from. So in the last test, he got a 12, and he said he was out near the end of the day's play, and then within 20 minutes, he's back in his room on his own. So, Simon, that is one thing that is not easy to deal with for these players, being sort of stuck in the bubble after a bad day. Yeah, and you think of someone like Joe Denley as well, who's been up here, and you know he was dropped for the Old Trafford Test match, and had to you know sit and watch it, and you know knowing that he he probably wasn't going to play in this game as well, so you know was part of the bubble, and that that must have been really tough because I mean normally you get you get dropped, you you go away, don't you? You go away to to home or whatever, back to your county to to think about everything, whereas he had to sort of sit and watch. That last test match and you know, sit and watch England win, knowing that probably, probably, possibly, who knows, that his test career is over. It's not easy to see how he, he gets back in from here. Yeah, it, it, it's not an easy situation. And, you know, and I, West Indies players as well. I mean, they have been locked down basically since the 8th of June. You know, it's, it's hard for, for everybody. And, you know, there have been a lot of sacrifices made to get this series on we're all enjoying actually the first two games have been really good actually you know they've they've been compelling games they've kept us interested right to the end but you know there's been a lot of sacrifice made to to get those games on and you know I think you know we we said again how grateful uh, we are that West Indies decided to come over and 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 Pakistan as well because the the cricket's been good I mean it really has I just felt actually it, it lost its competitiveness in the last sort of session today England sort of took control and West Indies looked they looked like a a flagging side. They, they look like a side actually has been locked down for a month and a half in, in that last session today. So who's going to revive them, Faz? Well, I think it's going to have to be the captain uh, to, to really get them get uh, them fired up, up for in the in the second morning. They've they've really got to get things get things going. And I think uh, e- even if they're jaded, even if they're tired, I, th- I think they they would know that they've fought well in this series so far, certainly fought much better than many of us in the Caribbean would have anticipated. I don't think too many would have expected the West Indies to start this series with a win in Southampton. Yes, they weren't able to hang on, even with the help of the loss of, of an entire day in the second Test match. So it's really up to, to the senior men and, and the coach Phil Simmons, because I think uh, Phil has done a tremendous job uh, with this West Indies team since he's come back in. He was doing a good job uh, with them before he was uh, removed as coach in 2016. And it's really about them being totally focused at immediately at the start of play and take the chances that come their way. And that has often been a challenge. Remember, it was Holder who dropped Dominic Sibley on that first day of the, of the second test match and that proved very costly. So if any chances come their way early on the second day, whoever it is, they're going to have to take it. Certainly, you know, if it's going to Raheem Cornwall, he'll definitely take it. <laughs> yeah, a fantastic character. Um, well, if Phil Simmons does too well, he'll get sacked again, won't he? So he better not. It's probably better for his own future if West Indies don't win this last Test match because they won't. They won't keep him on otherwise. Um, well, there is a story that uh, when they when they finish this series, Faz, they they they've got quarantine again when they come home. Is that right? Yeah, and, and it probably depends on which territory you're talking about, certainly here in Trinidad and Tobago. And it, it's interesting that we talk about players being in this bubble and Joe Denley and, and, and Ollie Pope and others being frustrated. I think context is so very important because the reason we're talking about all of this is an unprecedented pandemic and people are on the front line risking their lives. People are battling for their lives. So if you're frustrated in a hotel room for two weeks, that's nothing 
compared to what other people are going through. So I think context is very important there. And as far as the, the West Indies situation is concerned, right here in my home country, Trinidad and Tobago, we've had our first cases of what looks to be community spread over the last couple of days. And the sense of panic you feel about it with places being shut down, with schools probably not going to start as we had hoped, that, that, that brings the reality to it. So yes, the players may have to be, certainly in Trinidad and Tobago, be quarantined for a couple of weeks once they get here. It's a good point. I think what happens, of course, is that when, when, you, when you get into the bubble, your focus really narrows and it's very easy to forget what's going on outside and what has been going on outside I think it's a good point that that Faz makes I mean you know having said that I mean you know our experiences over the the summer and early summer every you know lots of families were affected by Covid and and had relations that that died and yet you can still feel I mean as I did I still felt sorry for Joffre Archer you know being in his room for for five days. I mean, that, that doesn't sound a lot, and lots of people had, you know, worse things happen to, than that. But I still don't think that makes it easy. And you know, and I say, I, lots of people have made sacrifices to make this this cricket happen. Well, um, the other news today is uh, that you may have seen is that the the county schedule has been announced for the restart of county cricket in early August, in fact, August the 1st. A small tournament, which is going to be called the Bob Willis Trophy, of course, and the final is still being debated, actually, whether the final will be at Lords, but each county's got five games in a regional setup. And the Middlesex games are actually going to be played at Radlett, the home games, because Lords still can't really mount a, a proper match with the Compton Edrich stand being rebuilt. It would cause an awful lot of chaos to uh, stage the matches at Lords, although there may be some matches at Lords in the T20 Blast that follows the uh, county championship matches in August. So great news for county cricket that it's back on August the 1st. Uh, a few games, uh, counties are already playing warm-up games, and actually I know that two Middlesex players are playing club cricket tomorrow, uh, Sam Robson, who I chatted to earlier today, actually, and, and also Nick Gubbing. So a few county players playing club cricket as well. So it's starting to sort of unravel cricket in in England, which is great to see. Clubs are now playing as well. Uh, so uh, good luck to all of you who are playing matches over the weekend and hope the weather holds for you. Simon, you're not too uh, optimistic about the weather tomorrow, though, are you? Well, uh, thunderstorms around Old Trafford tomorrow. So it's a question, A, of whether you get one, and B, if you do get one, how heavy it is. So that's that's the issue tomorrow. And then there's a suggestion that, that Monday is not particularly clever as well we have seen in this test series basically you know both games are finished within four days four playing days so it you know it shows what is possible but it, it could be one of those uh, you know races against time as well um clearly england are in a, in a good position overnight and if they can push on and put pressure on west indies then they can make up for lost time i'm just you know, thinking about you know not normally i mean the best way to win a, sh- a rain shortened game is to bowl first bat second, get a big score, and then make turn it into a, a three-innings match. Whether that was in West Indies' mind, I'm not sure. But I, d- I don't know. I, I bat f- Surely, on this Old Trafford pitch, which, which will spin, I think, bat first, and then you know, trying to put some pressure on West Indies in their first innings and, and second innings. I, sh- I should just say this, actually. It's a, it's a very strong England pace attack in this game. It, it, it really is. You look at their bowling averages in England, it's, it must be one of the best attacks that England have put together in, for a, 
a home test match. You think of you know Joffre Archer, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Chris Wokes. Their bowling averages are a low twenties bowling in England, and Stuart Broad's got the the worst, and his bowling average in England is is twenty six. So there is going to be some pressure on this West Indies batting lineup. You know when they get their turn sometime. Well, tomorrow, who knows? Tomorrow, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And then, of course, everyone flies home after that. So, no, no, not after that. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see, actually, how this West Indies batting lineup gets on against this England tag. What I would say about West Indies, actually, I think I've been really impressed with their, with their all-round discipline. They've not given England anything so far in this series. England have had to sort of earn it. They really have, except, perhaps, just in that passage after tea today where it just felt a bit too easy for England. Well, well played to England and, and well played to the West Indies over the, the course of the matches so far as well. Uh, excellent performance by Ollie Pope. That's the, the first thing to look forward to in the morning whenever play starts is to see him get to his second Test 100 because he is a star of the future. Faz, thank you very much for your time. We'll be back with you again hopefully before the end of this Test match. Simon, go and have your dinner on your own as usual and we'll speak to you again this time tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.